Hey everybody, Clint Fossley here and welcome to the 22nd edition of the Clint Fossley podcast entitled Dealing with Conflict and the Realm of Possibility with Sarah Lenegay Denny from Kinspace. Sarah, I know I butchered the last name, so apologies about that. A great chat with Sarah all about her personal story and her backstory in terms of how she got into the the space of of dealing with conflict resolution and and thanks so much to her for sharing so openly both on a professional and personal basis for various scenarios that she has been through and various conflicts and situations and how to deal with it. You know, for me personally, conflicts is something I'm, I'm not great with and, and tend to avoid at all costs, but it, it's a really sort of pragmatic the way the way Sarah looks at it and the four horsemen, which we get into the podcast and when you're listening to it, will understand the different scenarios and how you can or can't be heard in a conflict situation. Um, if you're struggling uh, personally, then please all reach out to us. We are here to help, uh, clintforsley.com forward slash help me. Uh, all our courses are there or just reach out to us uh, as well on the social channels. I want to thank Sarah so much for her time and and think everything she's doing at Kinspace is amazing. The key thing for me and a little bit of a spoiler alert is it only takes one person to shift the dynamic within a conflict situation. So that's key. Um, so Really, really key things here, whether it's personal, business, friendship, or whatever it is, uh, in terms of just understanding conflicts and hearing another person's point of view. So strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Cheers. Welcome to the 22nd edition of the Clint Forsloop podcast series. And I choose my guests on having difficult last names. So Sarah Lienage Denny, welcome Woo! to the podcast. Thank you. Did Thanks. I get that one right? You did. Brilliant. So uh, firstly, apologies to Sarah. I, we were meant to podcast this morning and then single parenting issues happened, MRIs and blood scans and all those kinds of things. So thank you very much. My pleasure. How's your day been so far? Day's been eventful. <laughs> In a good way? Yeah. Uh, some great big wins. Nice. For my husband and his team. Brilliant. Woo! That's good. A great workshop. Nice. And now I'm here. So now we're going to smash out a podcast. Smash it out. First time. First time. So, so in Brene Brown, you know Brene yes. Brown, yes. FFTs. Which is? Fear. F, first times. There's a swear word in there, am I? Oh, Okay. I think first time. Oh, I think for, well, it's fine. It's, uh, this is marked, marked as explicit. <laughs> so that's, anyway, we'll, I'll be gentle as much as I can do. <laughs> so anyway, so Sarah specializes in consulting around leadership and behavior change. And Sarah and I met in a strange way. Um, I was sitting at a coffee shop working, as for those who know me, is what I do. Sarah decided to invite herself at the table with me and her dog, Floyd, and asked if she could sit there and work as well. Um, so anyway, so then she started working next to me, was having a conversation with someone about virtual reality and I eavesdropped, um, and I was like, Oh, wait a sec. I know someone who knows virtual reality. We started up chatting. We ended up sharing an office together. I ended up getting a dog from the same kennel as she got a dog and we've been friends ever since. Mm -hmm. So that's how we met, which was, you know, the universe aligning awesome. in a way. Mm -hmm. So Sarah specializes in consulting around leadership and behavior change, and today's podcast is all about dealing with conflict. Mm. Um, 
you know, obviously having shared an office space with Sarah and, and listening to the conversations, it's always about dealing with conflict in the workspace. And what I thought would be really unique is conflict happens throughout, right? Mm. Within family, within relationships, which is generally the target audience for today. So Sarah's going to talk us through how to manage conflict, how to deal with conflict and how to get a win out of conflict. And that's the idea or the goal of today's podcast. Mm. Awesome. Cool. As always, Sarah, we start with a little backstory. Where does everyone come from? Paint a picture. Sure. Off you go. I grew up in Brisbane. I'm the eldest of uh, three. I have two younger brothers. That's an interesting. So I said I have. I had two younger brothers. Yep. One of whom has passed away. Uh, moved to the coast four years ago. You, you and just, I just skipped. You've just skipped like how many years? Yeah. Let's talk about school life. Oh, school, okay. <laughs> school life. I went to the same school from preschool to grade 12. Yeah. Right the way through. Uh, school. How can I describe school? What I remember most is I started working from the time I was about 13 and mm-hmm. had my first job. And I, I wasn't that engaged at school. Mm-hmm. Mm. In saying that, I have a core group of friends and we have been through our entire schooling together and late 30s now are still friends. So that's that was my the greatest experience of school. So obviously we'll get to later why you sort of found the passion for dealing with conflict. But mm. something you said to me on a more personal note, and this is the stuff that I don't put in the notes, by the way, was that at school you never felt inclusive. Mm. You always felt excluded. Mm. Yeah, an outlier. An outlier, yeah. That's a word in use. Do, do you think that's... Well, obviously, it had a huge effect on your life and the path of where you've chosen to go. Do you just want to mm, talk about okay. those days? And it's only recently, I've only recently become aware of, of this, of where it comes from and that conditioning. And growing up, my father was born in Sri Lanka. His family migrated out when he was 11. And my mum, uh, she's Caucasian. They were, she was born and raised here. My parents got together quite young and I grew up, in a a family that was Sri Lankan but very Western, so Mm -hmm. I wasn't really connected to that culture. And then and my mum's who who grew up here. So the cultural differences from the way my parents interacted with their parents and the way my parents interacted with their Mm in-laws, that had a huge impact on on me. And I I was one of the only kids of colour in my school, in my street, anywhere so it was different uh, like for me you know australia's always is multicultural from from a south african perspective mm. is, is that a, a misrepresentation of how it was when you grew up oh yeah is that just a it, recent sort of in in our in my school another family came who were of color i think they were indian mm-hmm. descent and then some french uh and people didn't talk about their culture so even though their parents may have been first generation migrants we didn't know but you couldn't also distinguish and my dad he speaks with an accent my nana speaks with an accent we ate different food uh so there was definitely something i just didn't understand mm. and, and understanding what i stand about those people didn't talk about stuff like that right it was mm. just buried under the surface mm. or, or was it a conversation you had with your parents at the time to say, no. I feel, <laughs> I'll take that as a no, like I feel different or I don't fit in here. Or was no, this, just- this was, this, these were conversations I was having with myself. Mm. Just never quite fit in. I remember in grade six or seven, I would 
I, I was quite warm and friendly with most people. And we had a small community, a small classroom. And I had my core group of friends and I found myself, if I had sat with another group of friends in the, in the morning, say for recess, I found myself asking permission to come and sit with my group. That's wow. That's pretty intense. That's nice. When, when I look back and that, that just indicates that I didn't quite know where I fit. Mm. Yet I'm still friends with them today and we have really authentic relationships. That's amazing. Mm. And then another time uh, where the race came into it was I was a teenager and I had a boyfriend and he broke up with me and he said, my parents won't allow me to date you. Wow. Because of your, the colour of your skin. And how old, I mean, I said, wow. I from was a, 16. From a South African perspective, I mean, just, yeah. you know, who am I to judge? But it's... I just, yeah, it's it's a perception, right? You you always assume it's not as bad as everywhere, but it is. It is, mm. it is, and we, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle that. Uh, it stuck with me. I'm bringing it up now. I haven't spoken about that for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, when you think about people's perception, and even working in a very um, female-dominated industry, coming. You know, I was a hairdresser when I finished school. I went into hairdressing. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the people at the top or who win the awards, they're men. Mm-hmm. And I never understood the gender disparity until I left that business and went out into and saw corporate worlds. I never felt I was competing with a man. I always compete with myself. Mm-hmm. I never saw that. So it's it's those experiences started to shift my perception of reality, what people experience and how it manifests. So so what's your, I guess, staying topical with what's happening in the US at the moment, mm-hmm. George Floyd, mm-hmm. uh, the time of this recording? I, I mean, you know, when we shared the office together, I always used to come back from America. I used to go there often. And, and every time I went there, and I, and I don't know if it's my conditioning as a South African where I'm tuned into race or feel guilt about what, I, what I'll, you know, sort of, my forefathers did in South Africa, but I always sensed huge, huge racial tension every single time I went to the US. Mm. And and my Caucasian friends over there didn't spot it. Um, what's your take on on what's going on there at the moment? Or if you don't have an opinion, that's okay as well. Mm. Uh, this these experiences. I feel are bringing us closer to understand the value of human diversity, and we when we accept human diversity, we're able to thrive. And that's what I believe these movements are geared towards. It's it's that deep acceptance. And I saw something recently in one of um, on LinkedIn. It was a, a post relating to this movement of the, and George Floyd saying um, organisations may say, we don't see race, we don't see this, we accept everybody. But the value is in our cultural upbringing, the, the diverse diversity, our perceptions, our perspectives, our conditioning. They're different, so mm-hmm. let's let's really harness that. Well, I mean, draw from everything, right? I mean, for me, just in every aspect of my life, I want to learn from all religions. I want to learn from mm. all modalities. I want to yes. learn from – because if you can scrape a little bit from everyone, 
you're just going to be a more complete person. Mm. You know, if you're stuck in this, in this, in, in your lane, so to speak, you're only going to know what you know, right? That's but right. All these other parts and aspects that you that you can take, which I think's awesome. I mean, when you talk about diversity, I work, you know, as you know, in tech, right? Mm. When you talk about <laughs> gender diversity, there's 98% guys at a tech mm. conference. You know, it's just is what it is. It's a bizarre thing. And the other part for the for that is is in conflict the realm of possibility in a conflict in- interaction is getting to a point where you have a shared understanding but before that comes empathy you got to mm-hmm. step inside somebody else's shoes so empathy you have the shared understanding and then compassion for that person then you're able to change your perception or perspective and change your behavior and and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here but but if you from someone like myself, say, who would never understand, like, you know, when you say empathy, mm-hmm. the position where, and I know a lot of people get targeted for saying, so white people, Caucasian people saying Black Lives Matter, you have no idea what it's like. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea as a Sri Lankan, you know, from of heritage female growing up in Brisbane, when you grew up, what it was like. But I, I can empathize with it. I can, how do you see that? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people get persecuted for trying to, Take a stand, but then get persecuted. You know, they get persecuted for what you don't actually know. So then, what happens? People might tend to avoid having a voice by fear of how is it going to be perceived by each different community. That's a tough question. Uh, And it's some. I mean, it's it's an answer. I I don't know, but it's. I can understand movement, and I can understand everyone's we all connected right it's mm. get into the universe and mm. stuff but if if people aren't entitled to empath to try empathize because you don't know anyone's situation until you've lived it it's it just seems to be i wouldn't say everyone's hypersensitive but it's hard to relate well uh, how, how do you support someone if you're not allowed to support someone if you're not allowed to support yeah. somebody who tells you you're not allowed to well if you just them. say a lot, a lot of for example Caucasian people in the u.s are saying black lives matter and they're like well you need to take that down because you're not African-American. I'm like, well, mm. how, how do you, you know, or Sri Lankan lives matter, whatever whatever it is, if, you, if you're not allowed to try support people, and for sure, I, I 100% get, I, you have no idea, and this is part of my learnings in life, right? You don't know anybody's story until you've walked a day in their shoes, mm. regardless of if they're the world's greatest athlete to someone, you know, lying on the street. But it's, but I just feel as much as you want to empathize, I just choose to keep quiet about, you know, especially when it comes to race and gender and equalities, which I think it's all wrong. Right. But I don't have a, I don't personally have a voice because I, in a way feel I have no right to have. A what voice. if your platform isn't this and it's just your realm of influence and your platform with regards to these topics yeah. is in people in your close network? And impacting well, every day. Well, my kids, right? I mean, that's 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 mm. that's the way I look at it. Is we have the discussions within this net, and, and you know, with with social media, and now we're talking about it on a podcast. So heaven help us. But but it's yeah, and, and and maybe it's not my job in this aspect, but it's but it's my job for my kids to understand that that these paradigms are not right, and this is the correct and paradigm. This is a great conversation. I've been thinking about this having a four year old is what messages am I sending her every day? What is she, what is she watching? I mean, she wouldn't watch any of this yet. Mm. Uh, 
thank God she's still four and we can <laughs> limit the screen time. Or, so, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's a whole other world. Uh, and, and being able to instill the concept of acceptance and perhaps it's not, we don't need to fully live or understand what they went through every day, but we can understand what happens, the conditioning, and what happens when you live in fear or you've been humiliated or you've um, experienced abuse. Mm -hmm. We can identify with the emotions and feelings and behaviours you see from that. So, for example, um, humiliation. Uh, I I have a coach and after the first 20-minute call with him, he said, are you aware of your nervous laugh? I decided. <laughs> and I I just pictured two people in my life yeah. and went, yes, I'm aware of it. And I found myself laughing at really inappropriate times. It's, it's a stress response. And he said, well, I'll let you know that that generally will come from humiliation, abuse, neglect. So from, from, a, very, from, a, from a very young child. From a conditioning, from conditioning, a child. Yes. Yeah. Man, I'll I tell you what, and... and, and the more I learn and I try to learn every day and evolve every day that the impact we have as parents and, 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 and all my issues and all my baggage is generally come out from. So it's, it's such an enormous responsibility, man. It is an enormous yeah. responsibility. You know, even the words I'm hearing lately, you know, we have these phrases uh, in, in Australia and I've been conditioned. It's a habit. It's like, I just draw on them and I hear them come out of my mouth and I go, oh my God, what message is that sent? Can you give us, give us a note? I can't yeah? think right now. Gone. Brain cry. freeze. Well, if one comes, let us know. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, you know, it's a car voice, don't cry. Ah, do you know what else she notices? All right. Talking about her four-year-old daughter this is, now. This is my four-year-old daughter, Berlin. Uh, if She'll be talking to me and if I'm not focused and I, I respond with, mm-hmm, she'll go, I do not like... When you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> At four. That is a mirror. Like, and then and, uh, something else I've noticed is when Andre Nice talks, this is my husband, married 10 years, we're in a conflict, and she'll come up to us, and she was doing this at three. Yeah. Going, Dada, are you frustrated? And Mama, are you sad? That's, wow. They're, they're our default behaviors in a conflict situation when one of us is feeling criticized one of us is defensive one of us is showing contempt i eye rolling yeah I, yeah I, as i said i've got teenagers eye rolling is part of the furniture here but i mean that's a to me for her being able to Mm. express that and verbalize that and have an open communication about that's amazing right because mm. speaking about my own you you know when mom and dad fought which i never really did it was always behind closed doors it wasn't a di- it was a different generation where mm. i grew up in were you were you in a similar phase mm. where my parents it was all out oh, <laughs> oh they, they go hard yeah yeah they do right okay so, so let's we, we got way off track there, but good, good off track. Let's let's pull back to thirteen. What is your first job? Mm. Yeah. So, my <laughs> data entry for this not for profit that my mum worked at. Okay. 
and there was a like a lifeline. It wasn't a lifeline. Yeah. There was a call center, a distress call. That's right, distress call and youth hotline. And I did data entry. So I did that on the school holidays, saved all my money, bought my first pair of Levi 501s. Those, those are the things to have, huh? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then worked in retail casually. That was really fun. Had a great time. Yep. And then what are the plans after school? I know you were very driven. So, so what, what, what are the goals and the ambitions back then? So I had a... Uh, there's a lot of unrest in my family when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And so grade 12, I look back, I lived with my dad at the time and my two brothers. And I went to school, but I worked a lot. Mm-hmm. I, Were you still in, just doing a retail job at the time? Yes, mm-hmm. and I would work a lot. And didn't always finish my assessments. I was not engaged at school and it was just a, it was really hard. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't imagine you like that, but carry on. Uh, I, I felt very responsible for my dad and my brothers yeah. and to be that person in the family and that took a lot of energy. Uh, and so I finished school and didn't actually know what I was going to do. My girlfriend worked in a bank. I'm like, hmm, I work in a bank. Yeah. And then we had this woman come and live with us. She was studying. She was about 27 at the time, studying in Brisbane so she stayed with us for a few weeks and we were sitting outside one day uh, and she said, so what are you going to do? I'm like, I have no idea. She goes, oh, you'd be a good hairdresser. You're so warm and mm. personable, creative. And so I'm like, okay. I went, I applied for a role that I saw, went for an interview about the job. And what, and what was that an apprenticeship? Is yeah. that how it worked? And, and how, how did Never thought about it. <laughs> so strange. And, and what did that look like? I mean, was it a two, one year, two year, or how did the apprenticeship work? Uh, apprenticeship was three years, and I worked for two different companies in that time. But yeah. by my uh, four years, perhaps yeah. by my fourth year, I started managing the salon, and I was nineteen, yeah. third, maybe third year. Yeah. And then when I was twenty one, I looked after six stores, all in Brisbane at the time. Yeah, and then mm. I had a scope into about twelve with another area manager, so very young into those type of roles. And and obviously came naturally to you just to. Yeah. To, yeah, it's what you do. Um, and, and from my understanding, you ended up investing or buying in a business? Yes. we. I became the operations manager for a high-end luxury group. Yeah. And we grew quite rapidly over a four-year period with sites all across Australia, mm-hmm. the east and east coast. And after four years, I put my hand up and said, uh, I'd like to – partner mm-hmm. and so my husband and I yes working together newlyweds <laughs> doing all the things I nervous said. laugh <laughs> nervous smile yeah. all the things you mustn't do we'll do all of those yeah and we did them straight away yeah. <laughs> so we had yeah we, we did that for four years and uh exited yeah and uh, exited in terms of in in, in I mean, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole but not in a positive light right yeah, there, there was a uh, – we lived – like existing, we we lived in a bubble. Mm-hmm. It was like a bubble, nonstop work. We didn't have a dog at the time or a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Easy. we worked a lot. And there was very little scope for anything else, really little joy. And I remember one of our um, – so I was a partner at the time and one of our group 
um, strategy planning mm. weekends. The then general manager introduced us to Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And we had Who's a pre- started Simon Sinek? Simon Sinek, Start With no. Why? No. The Golden Circle? Nope. He, like, started the Start With Why movement? No, never heard of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to learn something new every day, right? All your podcasts that are finding your why? And no, I've never heard of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, well. Carry on. There was one chapter printed on paper mm. with, with a staple back in the day, and I read this chapter, went and bought it, and read it in about in one sitting. Yep. And there was one question. It's why do you exist? Why do you care? Oh, there's a few questions. Mm. Why do you exist? Why do you care? Why does it matter? And I, I was dumbfounded. Absolutely dumbfounded. As in you didn't have an answer. No. No. And there was a values misalignment. There was like a personal values misalignment. I wasn't being my authentic self. I'm working over-functioning and it was having an impact on relationships and even friends socially, my husband and I, um, my family. It was having having an impact on my health, although I I wasn't aware of that at the time. And that was the beginning of, you know, once you have that moment and you're like. (laughs) We all have that moment, right? Everything from that point became intentional. Mm. Now, there were some highly emotive times where it may not have been as strategic as I would hope to be now that Mm. I've been through that experience. Uh, And when you you had that, you know, aha coming to Jesus moment, mm. how how long did it take you to, you know, pull out of the business and, and, and just... One year. One year. One year to exit from Mm. that moment. Interestingly enough, Andre and I hadn't discussed, my husband, we hadn't Mm. discussed it. The same conversation, it's time to leave. Yeah. So we hadn't even had all that beforehand. It was like I was was driving in the car and he called me and I just went, oh, my goodness, we are in sync. Yeah. We may not be in sync in every aspect, at that core, we were in sync. And which is obviously where your, I guess, your, your, your passion, your desire to deal with conflict and deal with conflict resolution, it was a rough exit. I mean, just leave it at that. It was rough during. Yeah. It was rough during and rough exit. And then after the year, is that when you decided to come live up in the Sunshine Coast? Mm. So we, we exited the business, but then it took a long time for all the it to be wrapped up. It was about another 18 months. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. So it's a two and a half year journey. Yeah. And in that time we felt pregnant. Yeah. And we, I think we settled just after she was born. And whilst we were pregnant, we had packed up the house ready to move to Sydney. So my, my husband's family is from yeah. Sydney. Lo- I love the harbour. I'm very happy that we chose to move up here. One day Andre just, we were up here for a weekend and he said, why are we moving to Sydney? Why don't we move up here? Mm. What? This is a holiday destination. And then. Exactly right. (laughs) And then we did it. Berlin was four months old. Yeah. And that was another thing, moving here as young parents with a lot of stress and not knowing many people. Yeah. But we did it. And, And 
looking back now, the choosing the coastal life that we that we live, which mm-hmm. is our normal, compared to going back into the city environment, do, do you think that that was a well? I don't know the answer, but a blessing in disguise. Yeah, just just it's a time just, to pause and breathe. It's time to breathe. And whenever I would drive in to – we used to holiday at Caloundra at the beaches mm-hmm. around there. And I always remember driving in, you go up off the highway and over a hill, and I would take a deep breath. And when I saw the harbour from when – you know, mm-hmm. when I get to Sydney in the first time, I have that breath. Now, being in the city and all amongst it, I don't have that yeah. experience. But here – and being connected to that every day, it's grounding. Mm. Plus it's about half the price of Sydney, which also helps. <laughs> it does, right? Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, because I, I was, you know, the, my immigration plans were mainly Northern Beaches. Mm. And similar to you, I can work anywhere. And came up here, went to Noosa, and then I started looking at the numbers and it was half the, I was like, well, why are you spending double the money to live on a beach there when you live on a beach here? Mm. So, um, you know, I'm very, very thankful to be here. So that, that obviously started your, you let's, let's pivot towards why we're here today. Um, <laughs> in, terms, awesome. in terms of conflict resolution, um, you know, having going through like all of us, you know, whatever flavor it is when we, when we go through shit and back, um, for me from the divorce from men, I wanted to figure out why and how and how to heal for yourself. From what I know, it was how do I resolve conflict better and how do I help people do that? Mm. So they don't go through, um, what you did, I guess. Um, do you, do you want to talk about from a high level, what your philosophy is and how you started finding your way, you know, in terms of getting that framework together that you've got now? There were a few moments and, and I look back, and that, yeah, there were a few moments and a few relationships mm. that would I was consumed by. A couple of them, I would dream about these people. And Christian Grey, one of them. <laughs> like they were kind of. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. that's>, <laughs> uh, so, so there, it's like it's like I was being haunted about. Are these past toxic relationships? past relationships mm. that have ended in negative conflict. Like I wasn't able to apply all the stuff I know now back then. Mm. I understand now what my role was in each of them. And there was a staff member, this is when we are a partner, who was incredible, high-performing, was able to really influence and bring our team together. And then we would have these interactions where we'd go and sit somewhere together, she would be highly emotive and I'd be quite calm mm. and in a quite a relaxed body. And I remember her saying, you're so mean, Sarah. I don't understand how she thinks I'm being mean. I'm not raising my voice. I'm mm. genuinely asking her how I can help. But what it was is it was contempt. I... I was I had contempt for her. In in what way? My she would have read that in my body language. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps she may have caught an eye roll, or I couldn't empathize with her. I already had these assumptions about this person. Yeah, and they were not in, they were not correct. But my assumptions jaded my ability to connect with her. There was no realm of possibility of understand. I didn't have a desire to seek to understand her. 
which is, this, I guess, the starting point of any conflict resolution yeah. is trying to understand the other person's perspective. And if you, you know, putting yourself under the microscope here, uh, going back then, if she was energetic, a high performer, mm-hmm. you know, a connector and, 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 and huge value, where do you think your contempt came from? Mm. Uh, in the same breath, there was a demanding, like an enti- a sense of entitlement. Mm. And it would be quite confronting. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I'd be addressing. But in those interactions, I'm, I may be in, maybe I thought I was in a relaxed body. Yeah. Her body wasn't relaxed. She was highly emotive. And should we just talk about what a relaxed body looks like and what a, obviously for those most people listen, but it's, I mean, the classic. This is not relaxed. <laughs> you know, there's a, these are the nonverbal cues. Yeah. So when I, when I want to express healthy disappointment with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> healthy disappointment. That's gold. Carry on. <laughs> if I come up yeah. and I'm already, I can, if I can feel my heart rate, mm. if I'm having a stress response, yeah. I can notice your heart rate. Yeah. Notice if your mouth's starting to yeah. get a little bit dry, sweaty palms, yeah. you're raging. That is not a relaxed body. Mm. Uh, and with this person, she wasn't in a relaxed body. Yet I chose to continue driving my agenda. So, yeah, he has. Uh, so, so entitlement is one of my pet hates. Mm. Oh, so this is interesting. Well, that's that's why I'm intrigued by it because if I if I'm having a conversation with someone who, you know, I value as an employee, or what, let's look at the, you know, that that that, but they're entitled, and maybe this is my South African upbringing where everyone seems to be entitled. It's one of my I, I can't, I can't tolerate that. To be quite blunt, mm. entitlement freaks me out. How would I manage myself to ensure that there isn't a conflict in that situation? Give me an example. Think about somebody you've encountered. <laughs> I'll end up getting sued if I tell you what I want to tell so, you. <laughs> yeah, um, I get it. But but it's just. Uh, yeah, I, I'll what, think, what would I do differently? <laughs> yeah, what would you do? Let's put the spotlight back on you to save me lawyer's letters. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what would you do that differently in that situation where she wasn't in a passive body, she was safe? She wasn't in a relaxed body. You, you, she was you, highly emotive. You, you interpreted her as entitled. She may not have been, mm-hmm. which is another thing. Mm-hmm. What what would you do differently? We were both, yeah, she was flooded. In that, in those interactions, mm-hmm. I would need to recognise that that is it first. Yeah. Recognise she's not relaxed. She's flooded. I'm starting to criticise and be quite firm. Yeah. And recognise it, acknowledge it, and say, this person... I'm sensing that you're flooded or I'm feeling flooded. I'm sensing that we're not seeing, we're not on the same page. Shall we park this for a moment, go and take a breather and come back in 10 minutes? Go come back tomorrow, revisit it tomorrow. So that way I've acknowledged that this is not the right moment. We are not going to reach that realm of possibility where somebody is flooded. And just to pause you there, when you say realm of possibility, that's, the, the end result, the solution. Yeah, that's when, we, that's that's when the solution is, is, is possible, when yeah. you have a shared understanding. You speak in the same language. Mm. There's, no, there's no criticism or defensive behaviour there. It is a genuine, it's a conversation. So layman's understanding, once again, 
I would say 98% of arguments or disagreements mm-hmm. would need that time out. Would need it. And, and so this is... Is that a fair assumption? Or? It is a fair assumption. The, in layman's terms, when you're flooded or you're having that stress response, yeah. it's a stress response. But what's actually happening is shots of adrenaline and cortisol running through your body, armoring you up. <laughs> and I've read that it takes from as little as 25 minutes to two hours for those hormones to be released. I can understand that, yeah. So even if you think about that, it takes 25 minutes minimum. It, you know, that, that's a loose, a loose um, figure there. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best parenting strategies I've implemented is I'm not talking about this right now, especially with teenagers because they can be arseholes, right? And they come hard at you and they criticize and they, you know what I mean? Oh, they just, really? And you just, and you're like, you know what? I, 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 they just go, go have a shower. We're not talking about this right now. Let's mm. just step away from the vehicle. You know what Berlin says? What? She's so funny. I need a moment. <laughs> and and she's four people. Four. So, so at the age of like You're going to be in a mental months. institution when no. she's a teenager, I'm I promise like, you. Eight, 18 months, whenever she was feeling, whenever she was having a stress response, yeah. She would turn around and go and face the wall and face the wall and do this and then turn around. I never showed her that. It, that I believe it was instinctive. And now it's I need a moment. And her friend who's about to turn uh, four later this year who lives two doors down, yeah. hers is I need some space. It's not just Berlin. <laughs> I need some space. And from an, one another when they're having a, yeah. a heated interaction, one of them will turn around and say I need space. And what I love is the other one gets it and respects it. <laughs> Four. It's obviously not four. their first trip on this planet. They're doing stuff like that. So, so, so what what happens in a say in a conflict resolution where, say, you don't have two level? Like generally, there's one level-headed person and one hot-headed person. You know, you know, if you've got two people just gunning at each other, I mean, you, you mm-hmm. pe- people always say stuff they regret, and I didn't yeah. mean it, and I was, you know, in in the height of anger. What do you say to and and I know I know a lot of guys who get divorced and women as well like say you know say stuff and send texts that they shouldn't do right and they're like oh I should wish I didn't do don't that don't send it while you're flooded if you're hard well right. don't send it the next day right yeah, I mean geez that's my advice yeah um, well but, that's projecting you're projecting all of your anger frustration resentment onto somebody else they're generally the trigger. And, and, and I think often going back to the divorce situation, people are assuming, once again, assumptions, mm-hmm. what the other person's feeling and saying through, mm-hmm. through a text that they've read. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, they think this, they feel this. They're like, have, you have no idea how the other person's feeling. Yeah. None whatsoever. So what do you do if they're, if you are a hot-headed person and you're in a relationship or a business relationship with a hot-headed person, mm-hmm. walking away is going to be your key strategy or yeah. what else? Yes. So you want to... You want to be exiting that. Yeah. And it only takes one person to shift the dynamic. Remember that in any interaction, mm. one person to shift the dynamic, let it be you. So if you're recognizing that it is not a win-win, yeah. that the scope for possibility is not happening, then call it out if you're feeling defensive or you're feeling criticized. Call it out, I'm feeling criticized. I need to take a break. Or I'm feeling flooded. Can we pick this up later? It's, it's really owning that and taking using I statements or if you don't like the way somebody, if you're feeling criticised, mm-hmm. I'm feeling criticised, can you reframe that? Can you rephrase it? 
these things don't come naturally. When you're not used to using them, they do not come naturally. And it's a habit. Yeah. And it's forcing a shift. You will see a shift in that other person, even if they stop for one moment and go, uh, so what am I trying to say? <laughs> so so what, another example of that, say someone, you feel someone's criticizing you. If mm-hmm. you if you chose the, the wording of when you do this or when you say this, I feel threatened, I feel mm-hmm. insecure, I feel yeah. like I'm not valued. Is, is that the language that you want to use yes. to just pause? Yes. If you, if you, let's assume you're the person who's feeling under attack. Because you're taking responsibility for how you're interpreting or perceiving the perceived threat or that communication. Yeah. You're taking responsibility. When this happens, when, when you say I never or I always, I feel frustrated. I feel, I feel uh, dismissed. I feel, I don't feel valued. So a simple example, I always do the laundry or so, I always cook. So this is, that, that this kind is of, attacking somebody's mm. personality or character. So remove those. You never, you never, oh, I've said them so many times, I'm aware of it now, and they still leave my lips. Yeah. I acknowledge And it. this is you keeping yourself accountable for not using that language, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's, a, that's a good tangent of what, what wording or language should you you know, for those listening, you are in a high conflict situation. So I always, I never, what are the wordings that you shouldn't really use? Never, yeah. always, constantly. <laughs> Again. Uh, and, and eye rolling is one of the greatest predictors of divorce. I'm getting divorced from my teenagers then. <laughs> mm. is, I, is, is that honesty? Yes, it's. Yes, it's a form of contempt. Yeah. And a contempt is you're attacking somebody's self-worth. The antidote, this is Dr. John Gottman, uh, he's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So mm. these are relationship relationship destructors or destroyers. Yeah, which and we'll the, get into in a bit. And the antidote. So in that moment, yesterday I eye rolled my husband mm. and I owned it <laughs> and I apologized yeah. genuinely. It took me two seconds because I can feel it. Mm. I'm sure he can as well. Mm-hmm. And even <laughs> if he can't see it, he knows. No, he, he knows my body language, <laughs> my default. Yes. So, I mean, I just want to, while we're on it, I think, I think it's key to point out, I believe that conflict is good. Like having disagreements, is good. it's healthy, right? I, and, and this is a recovering nice guy who I don't think I ever had an argument in 20 years of marriage, right? But, um, because you just didn't Please, argue. You just yeah, kind of yeah. pushed the stuff and sucked it up. And so, so for me, to, naturally to have an argument is difficult mm. because I'm just not used to it. Um, but I know it's, you know, as part of my evolution, it's when you do this, it makes me feel X, you know, it's, it's really, really hard for me to say that, but it's so, so important. It's so important. Mm. Otherwise you never heard. That's right. And then you get frustrated and... And then you're resenting somebody, but, but if you, you're projecting that resentment, mm. but when you start to dig deeper, it's your self-worth and your self-esteem and all of your guilt, shame, fear, anxieties and doubt, all of that that's manifesting because... And, and when you get to learn and understand that about yourself, it's easier to apply that into a relationship. Yeah, I mean... Once again, putting myself under the microscope, I would never speak up because the abandonment issues. Mm. Because if I speak up, 
going to be difficult, then someone's going to leave me. Mm. So, so I just kept quiet and try to make everyone happy. And then at times you can speak up, and I learned this, I learned a, a great lesson about saying no and when to say no and how to say it and how that no could be received depending on the type of person you're saying no to. Mm. We were speaking about this earlier. And there was a relationship that I had and I was seeing a psychologist who I call my life coach at the time. And she said, help me understand the communication between you two. I said, how about I show you an email thread? And so I showed her. She just went, oh, my goodness. How is it taking this long? Jesus. Yeah. This person would be highly emotive mm. in the email. They would be, they would be caps, caps like bold exclamation marks. Lots of them. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. Um, I've done so much for you. So I've done so much for you. You should be grateful. And you're saying no, mm. that type of thing. I would respond. And I go back to the last conversation I had with that staff member where I thought I was in a relaxed body. Yeah. But it was called armoring up. I would respond, cool, calm, and collected, emotiveless. And she said, You are fueling this person's fire. The only way to to start to navigate this space is when you start to truly learn to understand this person and their behaviors. And we, I, I want to, once we wrap up, I want to, not when we wrap up, but we'll get into that further. Let's just, let's just park, let's just park that one, if you don't mind, park. to wrap it up. Um, so, so let's talk about the conflict. So we've walked away, walked away. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key things that, that you've told me is that you walk away with an intent to come back, right? Which this is, is key. critical because mm. it shows that you care, that you're willing, and you're making a commitment to somebody to find a, a shared understanding or resolve it. It's another way, another term. So if, if, and also for me, if you're not the heated one, or if you're, at least you felt heard. Like, yeah. okay, well, listen, yeah, we all pissed off, let's walk away. And if you are the person who's begrudged, mm-hmm. in quotes, um, you know that your voice will be heard at least. And that you're important, mm. you're valued. Uh, in relationships, I personally myself have like a stonewall that's where you withdraw, like, right? Just mm. I shut off and I freeze. There are times in my life when I've frozen, not just in my um, marriage, and then somebody will leave and it's all left. You're like, oh, my gosh, and now I have to deal with all these mm. uh, hormones and I'm feeling really flooded, what's next? The knowing that you're going to come back, it's comfort. Mm-hmm. It is comfort. And that also builds trust. It instills trust. And is there any magic timing in terms of, you know, is it like a come back tomorrow, see you in three years? Obviously not. But, I mean, you know, is, is there a – because here's another thing. If you have – if if you – in a conflict and you've got that assuming you're not a narcissist or you know on the personality order it actually bothers you and it's in your gut and well, I know myself and it just you know you it doesn't sit well mm-hmm. um you don't want to stew on that for days um any recommendation in terms of mm-hmm. if you are in that point of conflict you know well let's just do it this afternoon or the next day or any strategies around that 
So one thing there I heard was when you you've left the interruption, it's not sitting well. How are you feeling? How could you be feeling guilty? Uh, frustrated, a desire like um, a desire to connect, disappointed. Well, all of the above sometimes. All, all those and, yeah. and when you're feeling those things, if you leave it up to somebody else to be willing and committed to come and sort that out with you, then you're really left exposed. In that moment, it's really important to let go of your own fear, anxiety, and doubt and guilt and let go of it and calm. Part of that process could be to take responsibility and reach mm-hmm. out to that person and take responsibility and apologize for your part. Yeah, I mean. I, S- sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah, the, the uh, I'm trying to think where. Yeah, I got feedback in one of the courses from one of the apologies. I got a comment from one of the courses um, from one of my students saying, well, what happens if you are wrong and you have to apologize? And I was like, oh, hold on. If you are wrong and you have to apologize. Yeah, and I was like, okay. well, that's amazing. Just apologize. Mm. And they need you because they were like, oh, and I'm like, well, it's, if you've, in my opinion, if you've stuffed up and you've crossed the line, there's, there's all you can do. And then I mean, this, if you can do it with sincerity and say, listen, you know, I've, you're absolutely right. I got this one wrong mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. And I'll do my best not to do it again. Mm-hmm. If the person is not willing to receive that, there's not much else you can do. No. There are ways to help provide that person with uh, an authentic, an understanding that it is genuine. Yeah. And that will not just happen in that conversation, but it's letting go of any story or justifying your behavior. That's number one. So, Clint, I'm really sorry for being in my head and for criticizing you yesterday. I'm sorry. Mm. Not saying, uh, you know, I just had this really stressful time and blah, 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 and then I saw you and I just let it get rid of all that, get rid of the story. Don't validate it's, the behavior while yes, you reacted. Yes, The other part uh, to an apology, and I've experienced this recently, is owning it is one thing. For me to believe that it's genuine and to instill that trust, mm. I just watch the behavior afterwards. Because that was going to be my next question. So for someone, someone let's take trust, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a key for all mm-hmm. relationships and a conflict situation. Mm-hmm. If someone breaks your trust in whatever sort of way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, if they apologize sincerely, mm-hmm. um, how do you repair that? Because the first step for them to repair is to support the fallout. So if, if somebody has made a decision, they've behaved, acted in, in in some way it's blown up mm-hmm. they own it but if they don't support the fallout or understand the impact it's had on on the other person or me for example and aren't willing to support or don't show that they're interested then it's not genuine it's not genuine and that trust isn't repaired yeah that repair for me will happen through action not through words action. Mm. yeah and mm. it's not just i own it and i'm vulnerable and, you know, I'm, I'm at a really low point. It's great. I, I get that. Thank you. So 
as much Thank as you for your apology. as much as we're here for conflict resolution, I think it's also key to point out that some relationships, friendships, business partnerships, whatever it is, sometimes they run their course right mm. from a from a self protection perspective. Yeah, what's your take on that? Okay, so exiting our partnership and the other relationships that I'd had with mm. staff members um, that I held on to for quite a long time, the ones that would haunt me, mm. it was the moment I realised that it wasn't about them and it was my role and what I played in that. There are sliding door moments in our life. <laughs> my goodness, like sliding doors. Great movie, yes. It's a great movie. Uh, and I took ownership and I, I was responsible. Yeah. And I never dreamt again. And they, the haunting was gone when I took responsibility. I no longer had that feeling that you were describing mm. down here of guilt, shame, frustration, anger, resentment. It wasn't anyone else's fault. It was like I played a part. Oh, so, so, so if you can, like say in the staff member, share an example where when you exited there was that the nightmares. If, if, I mean, if, yeah, if you can remember. Not nightmares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, like, what do you just one of those relationships where, say, there was Susie, whatever, and you know, mm-hmm. just hypothetically, there was something you needed. To, you needed to acknowledge from yourself to let go. Mm-hmm. Just one example, so people can understand. Okay, what you're so about. the one I was talking about before, yeah. where where I heard, "You're so mean to me." Yeah, you're mean. Mm-hmm. You're mean. It took four years for me to let go and take responsibility. And I reached out and sent a text message with an apology. Wow. And how was that received? I have no idea. Oh, never heard back. Yeah, I have goosebumps. And I let go of that moment. Never heard back. Didn't expect to hear back. Yeah, but you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think. Didn't hear back. Yeah. And, and it wasn't anybody else, wasn't within their realm of control for me to let go. It was me letting go. It was powerful. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, and this is, this is, you know, apologizing and, and it, it's, it seems for a weird thing for me to say now, but it's, if you're wrong, just fucking say sorry. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like sincerely, it's just, we, no one's perfect. We all stuff up all the time. You know, we, as long as you're doing your best and your intentions are pure mm-hmm. and, and, and it wasn't maliciously out to damage someone. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, my business partner at the time, when I was the general manager, I remember him saying to me, something happened yeah. and maybe a, store, a new store opening and I'd, I'd messed up and I tried to fix it without <laughs> knowing. That's what I did. Cover it I'm up. Like, not, not cover it up, fix it, get it right. Solve the problem, yeah. Yeah, solve the problem. <laughs> I remember he took me for a, a coffee and he said, so tell me about this. And I'm like, you know everything. <laughs> and he, he told me a story. It was a storyteller. And he said, own it next time. Yeah. Own it. Be and honest. Be transparent about it. Something happened again. And I, a couple of years later, and I was in the car going to my girlfriend's 30th birthday going, oh, my God, I'm going to be fired. We've got to open a store tomorrow. There's no stock. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then that thought came into me with that conversation and I called him and I said, it's not arriving yeah. for two days. He goes, no problems. Done. And that's amazing though, because 
you know, I've, I've also taken that strategy with my technology business, um, you know, consulting is, I wouldn't say cover stuff up, but you, you work, you know, throughout the night trying to fix up mistakes if you make a mistake. Mm. Um, whereas now it's just, you know, maybe just older and wiser. You say, listen, I, I've actually stuffed this up. Mm. Um, and, and I'm fixing it. And I'm fixing it. Yeah. And how do you support the fallout? Well, there, there, there actually never has been. That's the beautiful mm. thing. It's because people, they understand with, especially with as complicated as art, shit happens, right? Mm-hmm. We, all, we aren't robots. We're not We're perfect. human. We are, human. you know, and I think yeah. maybe that's part of me understanding that no one is perfect. We, you know, we all do our best. I'm a recovering neurotic perfectionist. <laughs> I'm a recovering nice guy. So it's all a people pleaser. So, so you know, know. Practical perfection. I can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Where, where are we? I don't know. We, we're going off into tangents here. So once you've come, once you've come back, okay. So let's, let's do it that way. You've come, you've come back to the discussion. You back the table. Let's go back to that scenario where there was someone highly emotive. You were mm-hmm. maybe stonewalling. Um, maybe when you come back into that environment, what's key? key strategies and tips when you're picking up that argument or that, you know, that conflict again? Uh, great question. So I would take responsibility for my part mm. and ask a question, help me understand why you see it this way. Help me understand those words, that little phrase there. It's like a conversation starter. It is. And it mm. really shifts the dynamic. Now we in our relationship, we had one of these. Our first one was like taking responsibility for your perception. Yeah. It seems to me. It seems to me that this and this is this happening. Is that correct? That very quickly went, well, it seems to me, you know, the tone, right? So you've got to be really mindful of your tone and your delivery and how your, your body is positioned. So a better wording would be, please, can you help me understand? Help me understand. How Help you, me understand. How are you, you seeing this? Yeah, how do you, you see yeah, this? Yeah. How do you see this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Help me understand. Help me understand. Oh, I'm going to try that with uh, my oldest tonight. Help me understand. Mm. No. Oh, I have quite a few conversation starters in, yeah, in so to communicate things like go for it. Uh, how you're feeling. I hear a lot, and I, I used to do this mm. myself. I feel, and then not an emotive word. So I feel like we need to do this. I feel like this is a better option. But what's the emotive word there that you're conveying? Feel. I feel I feel strongly. I feel confident. Mm. I feel the more we start using those words and really owning and owning the feelings that are associated with whatever's happening, yeah. people can relate. We might not be able to see what everybody else is seeing. Would you relate to that? If I said, I feel really confident coming into this podcast today. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm just, why I'm pausing, I'm just trying to think from a conflict situation. And, and this is wording I've used is I feel mm-hmm. neglected. I feel, mm. you know, coming back to relationships, I feel neglected. I feel uh, taken for granted, mm-hmm. you know. And, and this is what I've, and I wouldn't say coaching, but really trying to help my teenage daughter with um, is you are entitled to feel how you feel. No one can tell you how you can or can't feel. 
And if you explain that to someone and they get shitty with you because you feel that way, then you walk away mm. because you are entitled to that feeling. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, all those feelings. And we, it's human to feel all those feelings, even though I'm, I know I've researched, I live this. Mm. I also live all the other stuff and I have moments of guilt, shame and frustration and projection. It's how quickly are you able to catch yourself? And this is what I would love Berlin. This is what Andre and I are, are both very aligned in connecting her to recognize those emotions and let them go and not feel shame. When I'm eye rolling, I don't feel shameful that I've gone back into that default behavior. Yesterday I went, I am so sorry, I just eye rolled. I own that mm. and walked away. It's getting to that point where you're, you own your feelings and you also have the ability to let them go when you're ready. Well, that's, that's a beautiful uh, question from letting stuff go. Uh, Continuously letting go. Well, so it doesn't mean you let it go and it's gone for good. It's every time it comes up, you let it go. I, I <laughs> sing Frozen all the time to my kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let it go. Because so yeah. yeah. some shit you just got to let go, right? I mean, it's, it's at what stage in a conflict resolution uh, do you have to just if – you, if you've got too – I hate to use the word stubborn, but too – people like two bulls butting heads and, and you don't see a resolution. I think one of the key things that from what I learned from you is that it only takes one of the two bulls to change mm -hmm. their perspective. Yeah. To to shift that dynamic. To shift to shift the dynamic. But at what stage you just cut your losses and say, well, we're not going to get a, res a resolution. I know it's really, really tricky if you're in a in a say for example in a marriage or it's a business mm -hmm. agreement or it's a friendship, but at some stage there's is that point any any thoughts and advice on that so i've reached that point with my husband can yeah. i use this as an example absolutely Being married for 10 years it's coming up in a few weeks and we you were right there beside me at my um my darkest moment mm. almost in my marriage where we did not have a shared understanding and we were like this very little compassion mm. Uh, empathy, I empathized with him and I didn't have the compassion. And that's, that was, uh, uh, so do you just want to drill into the, the difference between the two emotions there? So <sighs> empathy is stepping into, into somebody's shoes. The compassion, I think it's that humanity aspect where I go, you know what? I want to reach out to this person mm. because people want to connect. We are wired to connect. It's reaching out to this person and showing care and kindness. How, I don't even, that's how I would just explain what compassion means to me, caring for that person in that moment, removing me from it and showing care. So in a, in a marriage scenario, yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of people get one set together for how they get frustrated with the other person. Mm -hmm. right? It's a common. There's conditioning. It's, it's, of course it is, right? It's a common exactly. thing where yeah. it's like, oh, get over yourself or, oh, it's just being a nanny or whatever it is. That happens. You hear it time and time again in relationships and as someone who watches everything, you see it. How, how would you say someone is in a, in a conflicted marriage and they, it is on the rocks for quotes and where, where do you, how do you change your lens to, have that compassion 
if you're conditioned to just be a certain way? It took a lot of coaching. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't happen naturally. Yeah. It, we've been coached as individuals. We've had um, relationship enrichment. Yeah. But lately we've been coached as individuals and it has, by the same person and it has changed our lives. What it's enabled us to do is have this shared understanding that we're speaking the same language and we have an accountability partner. And yeah. so this coach has really helped us uh, share things with one another, but not in a group scenario. It's quite, quite it bizarre. It, it's really bizarre and it has, it has worked. And through that, I've been able to see Andre through, you know what, remove assumptions yeah. and know that for us, if we're willing and committed, it takes compassion takes empathy it takes compassion i care about him i love him mm. yet i'm not showing that i'm holding back i'm armored up for example yeah uh go no no i was saying like, like a small example of some behavioral pattern that you mm. changed so do you remember earlier i spoke about uh, our daughter and her observations mm. of when we're in a conflict mm. he's frustrated and i'm sad mm. the other day we had a bit of a traumatic experience with Berlin and we were both flooded and he went off and sent me a text message and it took me three hours to respond because I was livid. <laughs> My heart was racing. Andre. Took three hours. <laughs> took me three hours and so I, I let go of all of that stuff mm. and I read it again. And I went, oh, my gosh, he's just suffered. Like, he's suffered. He's just experienced this. Mm -hmm. So show compassion. And I took responsibility to my part and I texted him back. And you know what? It was a breakthrough. Yeah. So I didn't – I needed three hours. So when you asked before the time frame, that was a text message. It took me three hours. As long as you need, huh? Yeah. Did I answer your question? No, not at all. Um, no, no, I was just trying to, th trying to think of an example where you said the key for you was empathy. So you understood his scenario and why he was feeling what he was feeling, but it was the compassion. Um, so, so from the compassion, so empathy in that situation, my compassion was he went through this experience mm -hmm. and he needs a, he needs a hug. He needs a hug. Yeah. He needs a hug. And instead we went out and like Brene Brown lean in. Yeah. Lean into that vulnerability, and that's what I said afterwards. When we're in these these times, our main focus has to be to lean in, and that's our commitment to one another. And I mean, once again, texts and emails is the tone it's oh, tone it's received tone. in, not sent. Right? I mean, someone can say, um, you know, have a nice day, and it could be taken as have a nice day, asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a tone that people yeah. receive those messages, and it's how they want to receive them. It's so it's all the assumptions oh. you have. Yeah, no more texts. No more texts. Really hard to communicate. Just people. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so let's. Um, I'm just trying to see. Do you want to talk about the four horsemen that you've been telling me about mm. for for some time? Mm. Okay. And how that fits into conflict resolution. So when we talk about uh, these interactions, mm. 
there's an opportunity to get to that realm of possibility through just the stress response and recognizing that. Yep. The next part is identifying what type of behavior you're seeing. Okay. Am I being or, or uh, seeing or witnessing? So even if it's as a bystander. Or projecting. Or projecting. Yeah. So I know when I'm projecting when I'm defensive. Uh, the antidote to that is taking responsibility. So, so give us an example. If, Why didn't you unpack the dishwasher? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? These simple things. Uh, today there was a little dig in our house, um, something about not making a bed. Yeah. It was like a little dig. I felt defensive. So I'm like, I have just cleaned the entire house mm. and I like to make my bed every morning and it was the last thing on my list. Mm. I went into I Look, um, you know, mm. defensive mode. It's like, get away from me. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> so how would you respond to that? So two things. Mm. As me recognizing my own behavior, I apologize. I apologize for that outburst. Mm -hmm. That's it. It was an outburst. Done. I don't need to talk about anything else. Uh, so, so, and, and that's like, I mean, it's, it's always the, the smallest things, right? I said, why did, why did someone get divorced is because, you know, they didn't pass the salt. It's a straw that broke the camel's back as it's always. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah, that same But if you, if, if you, in the scenario where we say you are at a place of Zen and you understand all of this and um, take the example of this morning where the house, you did the, everything else, you're just getting there and um, that was a knee joke because like, shit, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. How do you let that go? Because a lot of people will hang on to that and say, Stop criticizing me. I didn't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it took yeah. me a while. Yeah. Because it takes it takes two, right? Do you know what it required mm. of me? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was flooded. I was flooded in that moment, not because of that. Mm. By any means, that was a trigger. I was flooded. And for me to let it go, I had to take responsibility. The minute I said, sorry for my outburst, if mm. I had said that, it would have gone. Yeah. Now, thankfully, Andre. Yeah. Apologize for the D. I'm like, thank you. Mm. But that's all it is, though. It's, it's something as, I'm just, I'm just. I'm sorry for the D. That's yeah. it. No story. I'm like, thank you. Mm. I'm not <laughs> Okay, I can let it go. But that's, I think that's key for anyone listening is that. It's it's a yin and yang, right? It's mm -hmm. got to come from both sides. If you if you, mm -hmm. I, I do appreciate, you know, maybe from a work relationship where it's not as interpersonal as a sort of a marriage or a relationship where you can change dynamic. But if you're in a marriage and you're always the person changing the dynamic, dynamic, it, there's going to get a point. Part, get if the other party is not willing and committed, yeah, then that that's your answer, mm. and. I, I got to this point too where we were quite codependent and it was always like we took a vow and that vow will not be broken. I'm not, I'm not in control of this person. I have no control over how this person behaves. So, therefore, I have a very different perspective on, on divorce mm. and what that vow means and it's my responsibility to hold up my end of the bargain. If the other person isn't. Well, yeah, left. I mean, for me, that's been one of my hugest lessons, right, is, is as a recovering people pleaser and nice guy, you, you try to control everyone and everything. Mm. Just, you can't. People are going to do what people are going to do. Mm, and resentment builds over course, all those years. For sure it does. But, but 
if someone's going to decide to do something or act in a certain way, there is nothing you can do. And all you need to do is keep your side of the street as tidy as possible mm. and worry about yourself. Well, that's when you're able to let go of guilt. Yeah. And the shame and those mm. sorts of things. And I think about you asked me before when when you realize the relationship is when when you realize the trust is not there. Mm. Without trust, where is your relationship at? And I've experienced it in my own life where I have changed the dynamic in a relationship very close to me. And it means that we don't have we don't see each other. We're not in each other's lives very often. Yeah. When we are, it is pleasant. Mm. Uh, it's very minimal now, and I'm okay with that. I used to have a, a, a real desire and be very disappointed. When you have a desire, you then crave, like yeah. crave connection. It's almost like the abandonment. There is, there is quite an element of that, and I don't have that anymore. I might be disappointed for a short amount of time in certain things, and I let it go. It took years and years of being consumed by this relationship, trying to rescue and salvage it. Wait, who wants to, who wants to salvage a relationship? It's but a thriving one. Pulling back though, the key to me and the answer there is your self worth, because as soon as you value, or you just yes, as soon as you value you, yeah, then those irrelevant relationships or all the bad it doesn't define you anymore yeah is, is that a fair very assumption empowering and the the moment i was it's another coming to jesus moment is letting go of that and that happened whilst i was up here mm. so the the sunshine coast and that being able to breathe has been so profound in this part of my journey in the letting go. Coming back to our four horsemen. Yeah. So we've got defensiveness. Criticism is something you've mm. you, you covered in terms of why have you not done X or Y. Um, yeah, yeah. Verbally, verbally attacking. Whereas. So how would you respond to what, what is your strategy if someone comes in with criticism or why haven't you cooked dinner? Or why, the, or why the kids? You how, know. how ideally would I like to respond? <laughs> Fuck off. Um, or, I mean, just, I mean, this could be from a guy. Like, you know what I mean? Even, even the, you know, the wives to the guys. Or why haven't you done the lawn? Or why haven't you done, you know, why? Or why the kids' clothes dirty? Or why the kids not showered? If someone comes in with a, with, with a form of criticism as a starting point, what's the strategies around Understanding that and combating that. Okay. Uh, so Dr. John Gottman talks about the antidote as being use a gentle startup. Do you remember before I talked about help me understand? Yes. Help me understand where you've just come from. What's just happened? So. And I use this one. <laughs> Sorry, go. No, I'm just saying. So let's assume I'm married. I've been at the beach all day surfing with the kids. They've had the best day ever. Mm-hmm. And. My new wife comes home and says, well, why haven't you started dinner? Mm. Help me understand where And, and I would be like, shit, I've just been surfing with the kids for six hours. Where is this coming from? Yeah. So, so what would your stance be there? That, help me understand where that's coming from. Yeah, help me understand where is this coming from? Are you okay? <laughs> and it works. But won't that be seen as condescending? If you are, 
if you're in contempt, yeah. if you're eye-rolling, if you have that body language, yeah. yeah, but if you genuinely want to shift out of criticism, uh, out of that, that criticism mode, and you want to shift that dynamic, it takes you to have a gentle startup. Assuming that that criticism is coming from the person who's frustrated, had a shitty day, yeah. who's just, just wanting to lash well, out at something. They're just projecting. Mm. That's what it is. There was an interaction in our salon once where I found a few of my staff members out the back in tears because of a guest. Mm. And that was really hard. And I went up to that guest and I sat down and I went close to her mm. and I just said, are you okay? I've heard about this interaction. Yeah. I want to check in. How are you? Are you okay? Mm. It seems really out of place. I didn't know this client, this guest. And then do you know what she shared with me? Well, something tragic, I'm assuming. She just found her husband with somebody else. Yeah. And she came in and projected onto my team and I don't I didn't know all of this. <laughs> yeah. But something I just went, this behavior, it's it's not normal. Something's what's happening? What's underneath this? And that's what it that's what happened. Yeah. So so here's another question or, or flip on this is if say for example someone's in a relationship and they're feeling as if where you feel that you do everything and you want to you want to criticize the other person because you want them to step up at what how should you deal with that, that how would you deal with that scenario I, i'll ask the question is this person willing willing to step up have they ever shown you that they're committed to stepping up and following through? Oh, uh, it's, 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 for me, it's a hypothetical. But yeah, so have, you know, if this is happening, have they shown a willingness? Yeah. Or, or do you say, say you, say you, say for example, there's a, there's a wife who's frustrated with her husband because he goes to work and then he sits on the couch and does nothing all night and she's frustrated by that hmm. and of course criticize him and he'll see it as criticism. So as much as she could say, take the stance of, are you okay? Or he could take the stance to her, are you yeah. okay? There, there's a different dynamic. Is, is that when it comes to a, a conflict like that, is it, is it to then her job to say to him, I, when I, when I come home and you sitting here and you don't do anything that makes me feel this, this is that the it stance? makes me feel invisible. It makes me feel all these different yeah. things. You take it. Because that criticism could come from a, 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 I wouldn't say a set of desperation, but just frustration maybe yeah. of not being seen, heard, yeah. felt. Yeah, and, and resenting that person for being in a marriage and not being present, not showing up. Mm. So ask the question. It may not shift. It may not shift the other but it shifts your dynamic and your belief and all of a sudden you start to get in your power. And here's the thing, I, I witnessed it recently with some friends. When one has that awakening, yeah, it's time to go and really seek that out and delve deep. We've all had that awakening <laughs> through different but that's, times. That's dangerous though. I'm mean, not dangerous, it's 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 enthralling when one of the people in a partnership have that awakening. But if the other person gets left behind or humans are generally not willing to evolve, it's a crazy time. That, this mm, happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're the one who's being coaching, 
being coached yeah. and you're able to apply and integrate these things, you're able to apply this, mm. you know, these um, uh, antidotes and recognizing it's emotional intelligence, it's self-awareness, it's awareness of the other person, it's accepting them the way they are. You start to let go and you'll get to a point where you no longer fear separation or yeah. you do it. You do it despite all of the 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 fears you still do it you take the action or you shift enough and really seek to understand the other person that over time the way you behave or the way you react you've turned from reacting to responding it's different and all of a sudden they're like that was a different interaction mm. try that again because i feel better about that yeah that, that's a love languages i learned that in um from the love languages. Are you familiar? Mm. Four, five? Five. Let me test me. So they are um, validation, I think. Touch is one. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Bling, bling. Mm-hmm. Um, mental, maybe? Mm. What are they? Physical? Physical touch. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Quality time. Quality time. Receiving gifts. Gifts, yeah. Oh, this used to be mine. Um What's the fifth one? Uh, 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 oh, my gosh, it's doing things for people. Like, uh, this used to be mine. It's not mine anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh, I've got it. That's fine. This would be how I received love was Andre doing thing, things for me around the house to make my life simpler, mm. easier, and that was a big part of of me and he learned that about me. Yeah. He would do those things and it's shifted because now I value quality time, which is uninterrupted, no phones, no distractions, and living here is so much easier to do that. It just is. That quality time is such a value for me and that's how I receive love. My husband receives love through words of affirmation and yeah. physical touch. Mm. Now, if I'm not getting quality time, if he's not present, yeah, then I can criticize. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the words of affirmation. Yeah. That's what I used to do, uh, and and then I won't want to connect physically in any way because yeah, your your box is not ticked, yeah, so to speak. And it's a cycle, and I watched this with my parents. Yeah, learning that I saw this, I can still see it now, uh, and receiving the way I receive love, yes, it's changed. I think I'm also redefining what love is. Mm. You know, so what's yours? Uh, I I always thought it was um, physical and uh, quality time, Mm -hmm. but now it's definitely physical and affirmation. Affirmation. Yeah. Mm. So for me... um, like obviously abandonment issues, right, based mm. on my story. <laughs> so it's just making sure and, and part of me being a recovering nice guys and I and I know this is my stuff, I used to go out of my way to make everyone think I was a rock star at everything. Mm. Because I was desperate for mm-hmm. desperate validation. for validation and then if I was this certain person then no one would leave me. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile everyone leaves me, mm. you know. <laughs> so it's counterintuitive. Um but yeah, that, I, I would say definitely physical and then affirmation, which I which I've flipped, which is a new one, because it took it took me um, it it took me to admit that 
I think I always knew it was affirmation, mm-hmm. but I was too much of like, who's, you know, Clint's got his shit together. He's, he's uh, this guy. But, but it's taken me a long time to admit that I need affirmation. And what if that affirmation isn't validation? It's that affirmation could be in a form of appreciation. I haven't thought about it this way before, mm. but affirmation like uh, Andre, Andre said something, he had a big win today. And I said, how do you feel? He said, what's that word? Appreciative. Thank you for helping us. Mm-hmm. So I facilitated something for them. Yeah. Appreciative. That, that's an affirmation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think for me, as, as, as I mean, I always will be a giver, right? That's just who I am. But just someone to value me, value the time, value the, the thought. And then it's important to understand how mm-hmm. that other person receives love. Mm-hmm. If if you're a giver, it's making sure that you're giving them what they perceive as as love. And also for me as well, once again, giving for the right reason, right? Giving, giving because not because I think I'm gonna, you know, stop abandonment. Give from the right Freely. place. Yeah. Mm. Let's get back to the um, four horsemen. So the first two, we've got okay. defensive, defensive criticism, criticism, contempt. Let's talk about that. Contempt. So we were talking before about my eye rolling. <laughs> it's, it's, as a teenager, yeah, as a kitchen, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> recovering eye roller. So now recovering <laughs> two things. Uh, contempt and as the Gottmans, they're mm. relationship specialists. So this is slightly off, off topic. Yeah. But utilising this in what we do in workplaces, it goes, it just, they're relationships, like we said initially. Of it's, course so. There's relationships. And contempt shows up and it's like you have an insult, uh, an intention to insult somebody. And when I think about the country we live in, mm-hmm. humour, like sarcasm, <laughs> It is the lowest form of humor and it is celebrated. Mm. What is the impact that that is having having on the the recipient? And a a really good way to recognize this is to understand what type of laugh comes next. Your nervous laugh. Talk about nervous laugh. (laughs) And I hear them so often. And in, in Zoom calls, when you're in webinars, Zoom calls, in workshop facilitations, like all of these sorts of things, I hear nervous laughs and it's really uncomfortable to hear. So sometimes it could be joyful. You might have this relationship with somebody where you feel totally free mm. to pay each other out. Well, that's the, that. I mean. <laughs> and I, I now have this, yeah. it doesn't seem right. Uh, there is laughing at oneself and that's funny. You know, say, for example, you find a photograph of yourself in a really awkward way. I have a group with my cousins. We send them to each other. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. It's laughing with. It's laughing at ourselves and just that's a jovial laugh and I hear a joyful laugh. Now, when? Yeah, I mean, I think from a guy's perspective, especially in Australia, like guys go hard, right? They they will go at you and, and and South Africa is pretty similar in that way, but it's, you know, the, 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 the I guess the, the rule is the more someone has a go at you, they're more, more fond of you now. And it is. A, it's a sign of endearment. That's what's celebrated in this mm, country. That's, I've noticed that big time. 
I'm lucky I can take it, right? But thick skin. I can give it as well, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it makes me so uh, uncomfortable. I've been on the receiving end. Yeah. I, I've also been very sarcastic. I, um, yeah, I think the way I, I, the way I've evolved recently, I just laugh at myself, right? It's because if you, if, and, and I'm very fortunate with my group of circle, with my friends, they all go hard at me. But generally, that's because I've been an asshole. And if you, if for me, if I take myself less seriously and mm. understand there's no such thing as perfection, and you know what, if you, as a good friend of mine said, if you're going to go a thousand miles an hour, something's going to break along mm. the way. It's just I've who I am. That. Yeah, I've lived that. Well, that's you know, that's just who I am. And if I, I go and I go hard and I stuff stuff up, but it's I don't know. I think for me, if I if if you take yourself too seriously, um, yeah, different personalities. I'm also just trying to. I'm rattling on a bit here, but I just you know, for me, I can. I've got a personality big enough where I can see it for what it is. But if you don't, and you maybe a softer personality it could be devastating. do you think it's between it is softer or harder like what is soft and what is hard um well then we get into resilience again i guess which is an, another in terms of what you've gone through like as a person you know like i'm I, i'm as as i as i said many people bulletproof i'm resilient so when someone, when my mates are having a go, yeah, it's 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 truly water off a duck's back. And I think the the thing there is, you feel like you're in a safe space with them. What I'm hearing is you're in a safe space with them, that you accept they're not out to insult or attack or mm. what. And that's the difference. Mm. And before um, you were talking about these two people and I missed something that was really critical about getting to yes. Mm. So if you're like this and so this is in a, this is really in a, in a somebody's being criticised, the other person's being defensive and it's just like this. You are going around and around in circles. How many times have we been in those conversations? takes one person to shift the dynamic stop and repeat what they say let me hear you let me see if I, i've understood repeat back exactly what they've said word for word all you're looking for is a yes that gives you chance to calm to take a breath that gives them the opportunity to feel heard and now all of a sudden they feel heard so i'm laughing because it's a strategy i use because i present a lot mm-hmm. and always take yeah. q and a's throughout yeah and someone asks me a question, and I always go, just want to make sure I understood your question. But what they all said, and the reason I do that is to, is also gives me time to process and let the, the brain go, so I can Give actually time. formulate and formulate yeah. the correct instead of just going, Bleh. yeah. Um, so, a you make the person, you engage with the person. It's highly engaging as a speaker. They felt valued and heard, you, yeah. and, and heard. Yeah. but it gives it's always given me time to. While that's happening, and yeah. this is a man multitasking, <laughs> you know, to, to run through the library and, and, and yeah. figure it out. So in that, I've practiced this a lot. Mm. <laughs> it may take three or four attempts to get to yes because you're slowly removing assumptions. <laughs> Sometimes we we have uh, a desire and I'll say, I will own this. I, I have this process of going, I... Let me hear. Let me see if I understand you. And I just did it before. So, let me see if I understood you. Mm-hmm. 
you're in a safe space. You didn't say that. You didn't say you're in safe space with your friend. That was my interpretation yep. of what you were saying. In that moment when you were like this, that's not healthy. Just repeat back word for word, whatever you can remember, yep. repeat that back. That is a big tip. And get to yes. And get to yes. The contempt when you're, when there's some sort of, uh, say that you're the person, say you're on a job site, this happens a lot. Mm. You're on a job site and a new person comes on or there's a person that's always sort of picked on. Now, there's a high rate of suicide, mental health mm-hmm. in these type of sectors and it doesn't matter how thick your skin is or what you've experienced. If you're dealing with that daily and, and you sort of you fob it off, <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, it is having this effect and it is cascading yeah at one point it erupts we we just pray that we're able to recognize these signs and support offer support to these people before it escalates to that part and that's what happens with the with contempt being um you know one of the greatest predictors of divorce Mm. so so is there an eye-rolling app so you can see how many times your wife eye-rolls you Mm. (laughs) <laughs> here's a business idea <laughs> not for me I don't want to be so the last of the um, and, and you mentioned this in, in your engagement I guess uh, early on the yeah. last of the four horsemen which are the uh, the four horsemen of the bad behaviour traits yeah. right is stonewalling mm. um, I, I, I'm probably guilty of this as well <laughs> so, so do you want to talk about what stonewalling is and, and, and just the psychology behind that stonewalling is where you withdraw to avoid. You mentioned earlier the people pleaser. Yeah. So you you will oh, okay okay, but you you stonewalling. You're putting that wall up, and you you're starting to lean out from somebody. How would you see retracting? So I'm just going back to my upbringing, where my parents never argued, in quotes. Um, but if my dad did something wrong, my mom didn't speak to him for a week. Would that be classified as stonewalling? Stonewalling. Yeah. Which is how I was, mm. how I was brought up, and if and, and for me, if I looked at my past relationships, I'd use the silent treatment, never verbalize what actually was wrong, and never get anywhere right. But it was just conditioning as to all I knew. Mm. Stonewalling is when you get to that point. It is really quite hard to repair the the interaction. Mm. And Dr. John Gottman talks about the antidote being um, physiological self-soothing, go and distract, go up and walk up the mountain. Rather than stonewalling and not speaking for a week, that's that's really hard and it's hard to live in that environment. So if you look at, if I put myself under the microscope, so that's, that's, I would say all I knew from from the environment, from growing up, and if I went through, say, my ex-wife did something that pissed me off and I would stonewall because what I actually was after was um, her coming up to me and saying, are you okay? You know, did like, that craving did, that. Yeah, craving that. Um, I never got that, but but that's – I wasn't stonewalling to be stubborn. I was stonewalling because yes, yes. I was I – was, probably too afraid to speak up and say, when you did this, I felt like that. So Did I, you feel hmm? helpless? Absolutely, yeah. Helpless. Mm. And in that, 
in that moment of feeling helpless, yeah, you, you withdraw. You no longer feel safe. It's like I, I can't win. I don't feel safe. I don't feel heard. So what happened? Well, I mean, I never, I mean, and, and this is 100% on me because I never spoke up. I never said, when you do this, it makes me feel like this. Or, you know, I never, I just didn't do that. I just mm-hmm. kept quiet and then eventually it would just blow over. So it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't done through a malicious intent to be an arsehole. It was done for craving to be, like, maybe nurtured is the wrong word, and but that, just be heard. That, that takes... That's different. This this type of stonewalling that we're describing here, mm. it is different to um, – it is armoring up. You're not getting ready for a fight. You're not saying you're not doing this. No. It's it's your withdrawing. Your, it's your self-esteem, your self-worth, mm. all of that sort of thing is coming into play here. And feeling helpless, and that's like a despair. There's despair in there as well, that feeling of helpless, helplessness. Yeah. How did you shift? Because you've shifted. You felt helpless at that time. What changed for you? And how did you bring that to life? Oh, just time. You would have had to take action. Mm -hmm. Oh. No, so it just kind of blew over. Looking back, it was just, well, I'm going to act in this way, expecting, you know, say, are you okay? And nothing happened. And then after a week, I was just, okay, well, then life just carried on as normal. And in the end, see, the stonewalling happened. This was your pattern, mm. stonewalling. So you'd be going through all these different phases. All the, You'd be seeing all these defensive behaviours, yeah. criticism, contempt. It would result in stonewalling. You would withdraw mm-hmm. and then time would pass, you let go, and then you get back into it. It's yeah. just the cycle. Pretty much, yeah. But one day something changed because you're not in that relationship anymore. Now, when you talk about what what is the long term effect of stonewalling, that a relationship breakdown. Mm. So how it did it take you to leave that relationship to have these come to Jesus moments? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's 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 been as you know. I mean, like the biggest blessing, but all of it comes down. For, I mean, not all of it, but for me, the the key of it is mommy daddy issues, self worth issues. Mm. And not speaking up, not not. Being... And then you attract that. Oh, absolutely! I'm a yeah. master at that. We, we know this. Oh, we, we've, we've all done that. <laughs> well, I've I've done that. I shouldn't say we've all done that. Just I've not attracted... discussed my dating choices. Please, thank you very much. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I'm stone boy now. Something that gets um, brought up a lot these days, and something which is. So key, and I want to touch on briefly before we start wrapping things up, is when you can't reach a resolution. Now, narcissists coming to mind. Um, it is it is all over the place, and I'd say 80%, 90% of the people that I, the guys that I deal with are, we, we can't diagnose, but dealing with people with narcissistic tendencies where no matter what you give them, um, it won't be enough. Mm-hmm. They will never be wrong. Um, it'll always be your fault. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, besides run for the hills, right? I mean, which is key. What advice do you give people um, when they do believe they are dealing with a narcissistic person within a business relationship, within a relationship? Number with, one, talk to a coach. Yeah. Have somebody who's objective, who understands this type of behavior. Mm. It will help. 
it will help. Because if you, I mean, in my opinion, if you don't, it will drive you into a mental asylum. Mm-hmm. Because it will never make sense until you understand what you're dealing with. That's what I kept saying. I don't understand. Okay. There are people out there who do understand these types of behaviours, mm. regardless of where they are on the spectrum and how, like, yeah, I, I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. I don't, don't diagnose either, but I recognise certain behaviours. Yeah. And I recognise them now. And learning that, uh, learning about that, I'm now able to recognise it in, in other people. Quick, faster. Mm-hmm. which really changes the game because it it's then a moment going, is this a relationship that's worth investing in? And the answer will be no. Yeah. And. But when you're in it. When you're in it and you don't understand, say, narcissism as an example, mm-hmm. um, you, you think you're going mad. Um, some relationships, business, work, personal, or meant to end. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you, mm. where would you get someone to start who, who believes that they're dealing with someone with narcissistic tendencies beside a coach, assuming someone doesn't have, or the, psychologist. Someone um, doesn't have the funding for that. Where, where would you start? Because to me, the beauty of dealing with people like that is that they're beautifully predictable. So once you understand their patterns and who they are and, and all their demons and insecurities, it becomes a, a fun game in a way because you kind of know what, what you're going to get every so single Google time. Google doctor, <laughs> like Google. Yeah. This is an area or this is a, a scenario where I just Google because there are personality traits uh, like narcissists and then from a narcissist to narcissistic disorder. Yeah. And you can start to recognize these key behaviors or patterns mm. and getting the no, the more you understand this, you may not understand them or know how to behave, but you'll have a, it's a starting point. Yeah. And then you seek help from somebody. It's really important for, to have that fresh perspective because if you've been in a relationship with a narcissist, it's, it's years of, of the casting out and coming back and pulling you in and manipulation. And if it's been years and years of that, you have assumptions, bias, you're dealing with your own stuff that you haven't let go. You're, it's, it's highly emotive. All the anxiety in the de- at times can be depressive. Yeah. So being in a relationship like that it has a huge impact on your mental health, your physical health, spiritual health, social connections. And I, and I don't want to go back to mommy and daddy issues again, but it's, I think it's quite important if you are in those relationships to understand why you attracted those per- people in so the first place. That's key. Yeah. And that is when you'll have that enlightening moment and you won't do it again or you're less likely to do it again. Well. It still takes time <laughs> because, you know, remember narcissists, um, narcissistic, narcissistic behaviour, you will see people very charismatic, mm. draw you in, can be really vulnerable, can lay their hearts on the line and you think, wow, there's humility there. It's a manipulation. Mm. And it's at the point where you... It's like trusting your intuition going, this doesn't feel right. I'm, I met with somebody, was introduced to somebody in the um, in the professional world. There was a comment 
Uh, so I'd only spoken to this person for about a day. We were, mm. spent quite a bit of time together. And then there was a comment about, I don't like my people having side hustles. So it's, yeah. this person had a team. I don't like my people having side hustles. I went, that's, that's really interesting. That did not sit well with me. So you know that feeling? Mm-hmm. And then I, I mentioned it to somebody who um, has been quite a supportive of mine. This person said, yuck. That <laughs> was the reaction. Like, uh, yuck. Now, <laughs> I, I trusted my intuition then to mm-hmm. go, this is not the right relationship and that's okay. And then it turns out that narcissistic behaviour was at play. Yeah. And I saw it manifest through friends who had an experience. And that intuition, when you're aware of it, it's, it's recognising it, acknowledging it and taking action. And yeah. my action was choosing to not invest in the relationship. And running as far as you can, as quickly as you can. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Megan. 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 Yeah, Megan yeah. Has she ever released that other book she's no, doing? No, have to ask. Yeah. Megan? Where's that book? <laughs> Where yeah. is it at? Um, should we start wrapping things up? Sure. sure I, think, I think we've been going for quite a while already. Sure. Um, I'm saying four opportunities. Let's, let's say four opportunities for you based on the notes that you sent me. Just summarizing for people um, the, the, the four steps, right? If you in the position of a conflict, what are the key things, starting point, how do you, I mean, if you want to get to yes, the mm-hmm. realm of possibilities. Stress response. So first indicator of a conflict. This body language. Stre- a stress response. So in yourself, heart rate, mm. clammy hands, you're starting to get really flushed or you see that person being flushed um, mm. from the chest. In the blog, in your blog, the Eminem lyrics, right? Palms are sweaty. <laughs> hair, yeah. There's very little realm of critical thinking or, Mm. possibility at that step recognize that you or the other is in it and agree to take a break and come back mm. and, and commit at a time and that's key right yeah come yep. back committed commit to a time the second one is if you have missed that recognize <laughs> i can't recognize what type of behavior has reared its head yeah. In a dynamic. Are you noticing criticism? Is someone criticizing somebody on the defense? Yeah. Are you seeing, are you hearing sarcasm or insults or eye rolling? And, and, and I guess this is twofold, right? A, take 100% responsibility for your reactions, mm-hmm. but this acknowledge the other person and see where it's coming from to try and empathize with their scenario, right? <laughs> I have a puppy licking my face. Come on, I'm Bubba. <laughs> Um, sorry to yeah. say so so is I said we can only control us understand yeah. that but then just also have the knowledge and power to, to try see where the other person's coming from and yes as you alluded to apply that antidote yeah. if you're noticing um, like the cont- criticism contempt build a, a culture of appreciation yeah thank you so much for sharing with me thank you for your vulnerability yeah yeah okay uh, cool and then <laughs> oh once you apply the antidote get to yes if that's not working yeah, and you are like this, get to yes, repeat back what you heard the other person say, I suggest word for word, you're looking for a yes that will shift the dynamic. And that can be as simple as 
say you and I and I have a disagreement and I can say, Sarah, I understand that you think I'm a complete arsehole because I did this. And if you say yes, yeah. that's a result, right? Because then you are heard, you that's felt. That's the realm of, you've reached the realm of possibility, yeah. shared understanding. Yeah. Now you can start to go into, critically think about that. You can mm-hmm. take responsibility. You can start to get creative. Mm. Okay, why? Okay, well, next time I'll do this for a and, and here's just on that point. Say, for example, you're dealing with two super stubborn people and <laughs> and the one person doesn't have it in them. And I know it's going to have to come from one person where I won't say this argument where I, you know, I burnt your toast and therefore I'm an arsehole. Mm-hmm. I won't have, don't have the capacity to say, Sarah, I hear you, you believe that I'm an arsehole because I burnt your toast. And you go, yes. Mm-hmm. What happens if neither party is going to, is that just a... So then it's up to you to support that fallout, right? So this is having, this is empathizing, yeah. having compassion and taking responsibility for your part. It's, I apologize for burning the toast. <laughs> it, it was Smeg's fault. <laughs> is it care? Like yeah, what yeah, is it yeah, showing? Yeah, you, can, yeah. you can analyze and overanalyze and that's not healthy. Either in that moment go, I'm really sorry for burning mm. your toast. Tone. Tone. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So... Any, what's happening with you? Kinspace, talk to us. Kinspace, we have just launched our rebrand. Yes, ma'am. Which is very exciting for us in our space. And during lockdown, we receive um, word that we've been selected as a panelist Mm -hmm. on a learning learning and development panel for a really large Commonwealth organization. Woo! Well done. This is huge for us. Yeah. And... Check us out. And how can you help people, you know, say, say people have multi, you know, have organizations? How, how do you help? Is it a like a, a, a preemptive education session where you sort of deal, teach people how to deal with conflict first or do you go in and help conflict situations or both? Mm, both. There are, we take people on a learning experience that goes quite deep and we mm. look at problems, leadership or poor leadership, conflict, uh, bias, uh, equality, which is really interesting, Harass- harassment and exclusion. There are six key areas. Yeah. And understanding they're the problems, but we, we take people through a co-design phase where they're involved in developing the learning whilst they're learning. Yeah. And interactive experiences, building empathy and compassion using virtual reality, uh, other types of immersive experiences is really important to build that understanding. And what's really interesting is when you have an experience when you have a lived experience you're more likely to remember that yeah to to have empathy to be able to have compassion and take action and really see it from a different perspective okay so where can people find you kinspace.co .co that's co mm-hmm. what's that new new yeah i didn't realize that was a domain yeah okay and you're on insta and facebook and all that stuff so by yes. the time this goes, yes, we are. You have all the links there. Oh, that's it's all, pretty cool. All the links. So, Sarah, thank you um, so much for your time. Thank you. Well done in doing your first podcast. Woo! We made it, and thanks for your understanding around my hashtag single parenting um, woes. Uh, yeah, just for, I mean, for me, from a conflict and conflict resolution is uh, I don't like conflict. I never have. It's always, it's always been something I'm not strong at but 
understanding where everyone's coming from and where which voice they're trying to speak from i think is key so thank you so much my pleasure um any closing thoughts to anyone who is in a who feels in a toxic relationship or is in a in a in a i don't want to use you and andre but if you know if you were in a rut where you're just butting heads and you're not seeing eyes to eyes any closing thoughts comments or resources where people can go reach out to somebody in your network for help that you trust. It's really important for it, for a um, different perspective. Or to you. Feel free to reach out to me <laughs> and the other person. Yeah. And I do coach in this, letting go of fear, anxiety, and doubt, and being able to apply that and see where it takes you. That realm of possibility is pretty incredible once you've reached it or continue to reach it. Mm. Uh, and also yours. Us. Pick me. Pick me. Your essential eight. <laughs> My Most essential eight. programs. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and really important to start this journey. And remember, it takes one person to shift that dynamic, and that can be you. Make that person you in every interaction, as hard as it is. Take your armor off. And and if, say, that a relationship does end, at least you know when you put your head on the pillow, when it's all said and done, that you've done your book right. And I think that's that's huge. And you let go of the... You don't have don't have that regret, you know. You can let it go. Detach. That's called detaching. Yeah. Detach from it. Okay. Awesome. Thank Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Namaste. Namaste.